Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. We are also so excited to share the good word of HeroForge. HeroForge is an online character design application for you to create, customize, and order tabletop miniatures that represent your D&D character. HeroForge offers a genre-spanning library of thousands of parts, sliders, customization options, and color design tools, 3D asset bundles for online play, token makers for virtual tabletops, and much, much more. So go to HeroForge.com today and make your very own tabletop miniature. Hey there! Thank you for tuning in to Transplanar RPG. We are an all-transgender, people of color-led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition live-streamed actual play campaign set in an original, non-colonial, anti-Orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie. My pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Asamar bloodhunter. Lyra Olsen plays Manaya Wairua, a half-orc fighter and warlock. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer. Erica Flaidlin plays V. Nakshirzo, an elf sorcerer. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Kader, a dragonborn rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a triton monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sitlali, a changeling cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a reborn goliath ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include romance, flirting, references to sexual entanglements, kidnapping, imprisonment, confinement, darkness, fantasy violence, gore, blood and bloodletting, cults and cult-like behavior, and death of loved ones. Arc 5, Episode 7. Grief. Hunger. Venus. Lucifer. From Minotaur by Justin Philip Reed. We open on a rabbit. A small white rabbit with big, glossy red eyes and a soft pink nose. It hops from flower patch to flower patch in a snowy white garden pursued by an orange tomcat. The rabbit screeches to a halt in front of an emerald green chrysalis floating above a bushel of blood-red hibiscus petals. The rabbit stares up at the chrysalis, and the chrysalis glows back down at the rabbit and begins to glow more and more bright green, brighter and brighter and brighter until the rabbit lifts up onto its hind paws and floats up into the air and poof! In a plume of bright green glal powder, the rabbit doubles in size immediately, and it hits the snow with a solid thump, turns around, and begins chasing the now-terrified orange tomcat. And the cat jumps and yowls and flees into the bushes, and all the children clap. And we pull out of this soft, frost-rimmed garden to see that this whole story was a puppet show. Uh, and that a short, fluffy tabaxi steps forward, the bells attached to her half-cape jangling. She bows, holding the marionettes of a rabbit, a cat, and a chrysalis aloft. 
and her audience, mostly parents with their children standing behind a rope enclosure, continue to clap, delighted with the story. And now we see the Senate House surrounding this scene, bustling with the Chrysalis Conference. Thousands of eager attendees mill throughout courtyards of stone and glass, gardens bristling with ponds and flowers, balconies outfitted with ornate trellises of stone. Food vendors grill chunks of lamb, pepper, onion on portable stoves, the smell of jasmine and saffron brightening the winter air. Emerald vines curl around massive pillars of stone accented with shimmering blue and yellow tiles and capped with domed chattis. And in the central courtyard of the Senate House, we see the Chamber of the Republic, a towering palace whose sandstone walls teem with decorative patterns. Bulbous towers adorn opulent roofs carved from pure gold, an echo of the Republic's royal past, back when the chamber was a palace for the Queen of Talmud. An unthinkably huge flight of stairs leads up, 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 up to the main entrance of the chamber, an archway inlaid with sculptures of elephants, bulls, lions, snakes. An emerald lawn sprawls out from the chamber on all four sides, pockmarked by dozens and dozens of wooden booths. Chrysalis members pass out leaflets, preach upon elevated pulpits, and peddle their twisted mythologies. Attendees throng throughout the lawn, eagerly buying kebabs, listening to speeches, or watching the various Chrysalis-sponsored performances taking place throughout the gardens. An elevated walkway made of marble and glass surrounds the chamber on each side, forming almost like a balcony level, allowing attendees a full bird's eye view of the event below. And at the top of the stairs, leading into the Chamber of the Republic, arranged in the middle of all this commotion, like the collapsing singularity at the center of a universe approaching heat death, is the main stage. A massive structure of wood and steel over 80 feet long with metal beams erected on either end to support a huge green canvas flap etched with the Chrysalis's logo, like a concert stage. Uh, and this stage is currently empty, uh, but the stairs are cordoned off at the base and gruff looking Daywatch officers guard the perimeter over two dozen easily. But we're not quite there yet, friends. There's something else we have to take care of first. Something that began one day earlier. Sit Lolly. We find you now, a day in the past, walking toward the Queen's Gambit gambling parlor after, uh, let's say, having a little spat with Jaron. Mercy accompanies you, using her broad shoulders to keep the crush of nighttime vagabonds at bay in this overly bright, very seedy part of Siraksha that feels like a second day with all the glowing, almost like bioluminescent signs advertising various districts of this place. Mercy turns to you, Sitlali, leans in and sort of says, Sitlali, uh, you sure you want to find Sybil now? Don't you want to wait till tomorrow, you know, get a night to cool off? I think this is probably the perfect time, darling. Um, besides, we want Bud back, and I'm fairly confident in my negotiating skills. Powers of persuasion, got it. Uh, okay, yes. it's probably not a good idea for them to see me escort you in, so uh, maybe I'll start heading back here. And she stops in like the middle of the street where people just like move around you, almost like you're in like a crowded like street of Hong Kong, right? Just like tons of people like all around you. Mercy, 
It's going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I've done a million... I don't know why I'm nervous. I've done a million recon missions for you. This will be fine. If anything goes south, I will send you a message. Yes. Yes, you will. And I've noticed that it's harder and harder to catch you off guard by surprise. Uh, remember the other day when I tried to sneak up behind you and you almost blighted me uh, to death? Did I did. Yeah, that is a... I'm sorry about that, but... It's um, okay. It's, I mean, it's fine. I just, you know, ever since the... With the... It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. No, no, it makes sense. I'm yeah. glad you've been training your already incredible powers of perception. Uh, okay, well... Yes, that's what that has been. Listen, Sibali, there's no reason for you to be nervous, okay? You're probably just feeling a little anxious because, you know, you and Sibyl have history. Whereas the other marks I've sent you after, you don't have feelings for them, so... It's a little personal. That's okay. Yeah. This will be fine. Yeah, and you'll just cast sending if you need help, and you can reach me literally anywhere, so I'll come right Yes. Yes, and I should probably, and I think they take off their shield and give it to Mercy, um, and also their, their bag of holding, just like, subtle, subtlety. You also, look beautiful. Thank you. Um, and I think um, Sitlali also slips like a small vial into uh, Mercy's hand and says, get that into Gentle's herbalism kit for me. What is it? Subtlety. Okay. Yeah, I'll uh, make sure not to forget about this. It'll be front of my mind, no matter what happens. I'm sure. She, like, tucks it away into, like, her pouch. All right, well, you look great. You look beautiful. If they don't buy everything coming out of your mouth, they're dumb and stupid, and I hate them. Uh, I love you, Sitlali. Be careful, okay? And, again, sending at at the first sniff of trouble. Or if you just miss me, you know, you can do that, too. I love you, too, Mercy. She leans down and kisses you, gives you a big squeeze, hug goodbye, and sort of waves you off, right, as you approach the Queen's Gambit. And as you, like, maneuver your way through the throng, you sort of see these, like, bright, huge lights pouring out of the windows, out of, like, the main archway. See, like, a couple of seedy-looking dudes, you know, like, leant up against carved pillars, like, smoking hand-rolled cigarettes, eyeing people as they go in and out, right? You see, like, someone, like, in an off entrance getting, like, thrown out into the street, right? Their belongings jangling onto the ground next to them. And, like, the big guards are like, come back when you got money, you know? And the person's like, oh, like, drunk off their ass in the street. Uh, you walk past all of this uh, up toward where the... Queen's Gambit is. But Sitlali, uh, I want you to make a perception roll for me. Uh, let's see, that's a 22. Oh my god. You have really high wisdom, I keep forgetting. You see waiting for you, casually leaned up against a pillar. Like, as soon as you walk into the Queen's Gambit, they're there. Uh, but they're sort of like in such a way that they're right next to the entrance, so if you had a low perception, you wouldn't have noticed them and would have walked right past them. Sybil, leaning against a marble pillar, sort of flicking a gold coin up through the air, and then when they catch it, they twirl it between their fingers. Uh, this fire Ganassi tiefling, again, right, with like this dark blood red skin uh, that turns sort of like black and charred at their forearms and hands, and their horns sort of go up and rake back made of pure obsidian with cracks through them that sort of like casually vent steam, right? And like glow kind of like a magmatic red. Uh, and when they turn to look at you as you walk through, you see that their eyes are pure gold. No scleras, no irises, just pure unwashed gold, right? And they got this like light leather armor on and a uh, fanged smile curls around their lips uh, as they see you and they push off the pillar. Sitlali. Sibyl. A little birdie told me that you were in town. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I do owe you a drink. 
That you do. And I figure you might have a few other things to discuss, given the party you're traveling with, no? Or two. But the night is young, no? The night is young. There's a uh, drink here I got them to name after you that I call the Changing Star. Would you like to give it a try? Absolutely. They hold out a hand, uh, or rather an arm, for you to hold on to. I take it. And you take it. Uh, and they take you deeper into the Queen's Gambit. And I think a crush of people fill in the gaps, right, that you leave behind. Uh, and I think we're gonna f- kind of fade to black on this scene. Uh, and when we fade back up, Sitlali, we are in a completely different place. This is not the Queen's Gambit anymore. Um, we see the outside of a haveli, uh, kind of a loft-style haveli, almost like apartment-style. This beautiful, like, huge building uh, with tons of different lofts and apartments. Seems to be kind of like a ritzy part of town uh, in the district of uh, Thristi. As uh, I think we see, like, the front door kind of, like, start to open, uh, and we see you framed at the threshold, right? Because uh, you, I mean, you had a night of uh, interesting, I think, like, passion and conversations with Sybil, and we see you on the tail end of that night, Sitlali. Why don't you tell us what you look like after everything you've gone through with uh, your ex? Hair's a mess. Um, hair's a mess. Uh, armor is a bit askew probably as well. I think actually she's probably like getting back into that shoulder armor. And just not a care in the world. Still like a little drunk, you know, like does not give a fuck about anything. And is just feeling very satisfied. Yeah, the stone door sort of open. You got this like kind of like cat that ate the canary grin on your face as you like start to go down the stairs, right? Uh, like simple, like this is a nice ass part of the district of Thristy. It's sort of like, oh yeah, this isn't like my apartment, my brownstone, like up in Brooklyn or whatever. You know, like it's like kind of like Ritzy, you like come down. And as you do, make me another perception check. Uh, natural 20, so 30. What the This is the second time Sitlali perceives that they are a character in a game being piloted. (laughs) (laughs) Second time. Just kidding. Uh, Yeah, you see her instantly. As soon as you step like out of the threshold, your eyes catch on the tiefling, not Sybil, Grace. Sort of like standing like at the bottom of the stairs. She's sort of like looking around, like smiling at people who pass, wearing these like bright green chrysalis robes. And as you like come out, she, ah, she waves. Joy, hello. Hello, Grace. Hi, how are you? So late. Oh, you know, out and about. Oh, uh, well, I, uh, I actually wanted to find you and, uh, talk to you about something, if you don't mind. I I know it is quite late slash early, depending on your perception of time. Uh Uh-huh. Do you have a minute? Can I insight check her? Yes. Uh, what exactly are you trying to find out about what she's up to? I'm trying to see if she wants to get late. Uh, let's see. So that's a 21. 21. She does not want to get laid right now because she has recently gotten laid. I see, I see, I see. Real recognize, real. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, you notice that like some of her hair is like a, also a little askew. <laughs> like her robe's a little off the shoulder. So Lali, I think, gives her like an appraising look and it's just kind of like, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, <laughs> go ahead. I've got time. Wonderful. Uh, so, Joy, I actually spoke to the Imago. Uh, I was able to bring up, well, you. 
because you you struck me all of your questions you had such a searing insight into the chrysalis and we need people like you we need people who have such an inquisitive approach to everything we do most people they see the chrysalis they just say oh well i can get something out of them right i can get a stronger body i can get my magic back i can get my hope back which is obviously what we're offering but we also want people like you who question things who are curious adam wants to meet with you when i'm a little booked now, if you have time. He's just around the corner. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, what the hell? Sure. Fine. All right. Uh, well, then, uh, follow me. And Grace sort of, like, gestures for you to finish coming down the stairs, and she leads you around the corner. And at this point, Sitlali, it is quite late. You stayed over for a long time at Sybil's. You went to various places. And I think it's maybe like 2 or 3 a.m. or something, maybe like 4 a.m. It's like it's early morning here, right? Uh, So there's like the streets are quite deserted. Grace turns the corner into the mouth of an alley with kind of like this part of Dabathati, the ceiling sort of craters in. So the alleyway does have a ceiling. You smell sort of like trash, refuse. You hear little critters scrabbling around in there somewhere. It's quite a narrow opening. And Grace says, he's right in there. I would be remiss if I did not insight check her. About whether or not she's telling the truth that Adam's, Adam's in, waiting in the dark alley? Yes. <laughs> Make another insight check. Yeah. I have to? No. No. Have I been betrayed? <laughs> That's a nat one. Oh, Technically, Technically, it's still yeah. eleven. This die has never rolled a nat one before in its life. And I two? feel like that calls for a celebration <laughs> on my end as the GM. So, Sitlali, why are you overconfident right now? Sitlali probably just got laid. Uh, you can't prove anything. Um, and Sitlali's like a seventh level caster by now. Sitlali's like hot shit. Sitlali has a direct line to the Raven Queen, uwu, casual. Sitlali has survived much worse than small women in dark alleyways. So, um, Sitlali can't be surprised. So, nothing about this is suspicious, I guess. A kid is absolutely so suspicious, Sitlali. It's less that you don't notice how suspicious it is. It is. It's more so that you're like, I can take care of it no matter how suspicious it is. Right? Like, I'm a fucking seventh level caster. This is fucking nothing. Right? Like, you're not worried here. Grace gestures at the alleyway. And you hear a voice uh, coming from the shadow. A man's voice, smooth as melted gold, sort of spilling out of the void that says, Your joy, right? And kind of stepping into like the barest suggestion of light, you see uh, the tips of two polished leather shoes. And then you just sort of see the front of like an emerald suit and then a face just come into view. Uh, as the imago of the chrysalis uh, steps into your perception, you see a man with pale skin uh, and this sort of like golden blonde hair sort of gelled up and like raked back in this like perfectly polished coif. Uh, and he looks at you, uh, his jaws chiseled. He's handsome again in kind of like a, a bland way, right? In like a way where you just like sort of reach into like a manufactured box full of perfect dolls and you pull one out and plump, plump one down. That's Adam. Pleasure to meet you, I suppose, Adam. Grace told me about you. You're interested in the chrysalis, aren't you? Interested is a bit of a strong word. I'd be happy to talk to you more about who we are and what we do if you have a minute. I suppose I have some time. There's something in here I want to show you. 
And Adam like disappears into the shadows and you can hear him like walking deeper into the alleyway. And then he pauses and you can't see anything, but you get the sense that he's throwing this over his shoulder. Are you coming? Sure. And I follow. Uh, Grace stays at the entryway, just sort of like looking and waving you off. And as you step into the shadow, complete darkness sort of falls over you. You know, you can sort of see the light behind you. It's like a shaft, like cut through reality. And then now you're just in shadow. So do you have like a torch or like any way to see in the dark here? I gave all of my things except my boot knife to my girlfriend. Okay, so you're just in darkness and I don't think you can really see anything, right? It takes your eyes a minute to adjust because some of the leftover light from behind you like filters in and cuts through the shadow. You sort of see like a big dark form of maybe like a dumpster pressed up to the right and the alleyway doesn't seem, you don't see the end of the alley yet, uh, but you do see Adam maybe 10 feet in front of you and he's stopped and turned around and is looking at you, just standing in the dark, staring at you and smiling at 4 a.m. And he goes, you have had a lot of names in your day, haven't you, Joy? Mirage, Temerity Bright, Joy, Sitlali Thornheart. That's right, Sitlali Thornheart, 28 years old. Left the court, what, six, seven years ago? Stole away in the dead of night. Couldn't really bring yourself to be that much of an embarrassment that much of a disgrace. Have you found yourself a paragon yet, Adam? <sighs> Adam sort of lowers his head and like regards you with those like sparkling ice cold blue eyes. What are you getting at here, Sitlali? What do you actually want from me? What I actually want from you is quite simple, really. Uh, and Adam sort of like turns and looks at the wall, just this grimy alley wall, nothing remarkable about it, just stone. And he sort of like, almost gently, almost like intimately, like caresses a hand over it and make an arcana check. Uh, 27. You feel the weave ripple. He's casting some sort of spell or he's activating some sort of hidden trigger or something. It doesn't feel malicious. Uh, well, okay, I'm gonna walk that back. It doesn't feel like it's gonna explode or attack you, uh, but he's definitely like, there's something going on here with him on the wall, right? And you just feel like a bare shimmer of a mishmash of conjuration and abjuration magic that he's sort of like beginning to weave over the stone here. What I want from you, Sitlali, is quite simple. You see, I know all about the skeletons in your closet, the people you've abandoned, the lovers you've left for dead. I don't know what you're talking about. I recognize one of my own ilk. They seem to be drawn to me like flies to honey. You're a liar. You're a fake. And he finishes whatever he was doing to the wall and lowers his hand. And the wall doesn't seem to have physically changed at all. There's, if anything, there's just like a, a slight shimmer uh, along the wall directly to your right. That seems to like vibrate all the way down, like through the brick. He lowers his hand, looks at you. He actually takes a step forward, like toward you in the dark. You're nothing, nothing but a shadow. I think Sitlali closes the distance between them. Before you do or say anything else, you like, you rise to meet Adam's challenge, right? And you close, and I think that at this point you're like chest to chest. Like he's like looking down at you, right? You can smell some sort of like spiced, like deeply scented cologne, like coming off of him. And he cocks his head to the side and regards you. And he raises the same hand he used to touch the, the wall, like up to your cheek and like cups it, looks down at you and almost gently says, you're a moon. Do you know what a moon is, Sitlali? It's a planetary body. 
suspended somewhere out there in the great abyss of space that doesn't produce its own light. It simply reflects the light of the stars and the suns around it. That's what you are, a reflection of other people's light. And I suppose you're hoping for me to be a great reflection of you. He like sort of traces his thumb like down the side of your cheek and your jaw and like looks at you again. Is that what you want? Just tell me who you want me to be. Just you is perfect. I don't hear that enough. And I think she goes in for a kiss. What is your impulse? What is, do you have an ulterior motive? What is your plan behind the kiss? She wants to disarm him and figure out what she wants to get the fuck out. Okay, you lean in for a kiss and he meets you. He kisses you. And when your lips touch for like a half second, it's just like a kiss, right? A regular kiss. And then you feel, uh, hmm, Sitlali, you feel something uh, sharp dig into the side of your mouth. And then something sharp dig into the top of your lip. And you realize what's happening is that he's opening his mouth and biting you. And when that happens, Sitlali, what do you lose? What does Adam take from you? Their subtlety. What does it look like as your changeling magic is drained from your body and sucked into his? I think, I think it's more vibrant than when she casts, but I think they have very similar like color palettes, but more on like the, the lighter colors. I don't think much changes physically, but I think there is like a shim, like the weave tightens and shimmers with like all of these different pastels. Not so much the purples that like you see when she casts, like the purples and pinks, but everything else just kind of. You feel a, a part of yourself sort of get dragged up from the depths of your soul. And like that's the magic that suffused your blood since the day you were born, Sitlali, woven in the neural network between your nerves, stitched into every cell of your body, gets sort of like peeled away from that essence of what makes Sitlali Sitlali and siphoned up like through the veins of your neck. We see this like glittering iridescence just like shining up like toward that point of contact and into Adam, right? And he eats it. He eats your magic. It goes into his throat and disappears into his body. And he breaks away from you and shoves you toward the wall, which has turned into nothing. And you fall backward into the nothing plane. And like, as you like tumble, I think with like these like bite marks on your mouth bleeding a little, like almost like a hollowed out shell of who you are, like pale and like stricken, right? Like falling, Adam's just sort of stood there, right? Almost like he's at the top of the stairs and you're tumbling down them. And he just um, has taken out a handkerchief and is daubing at his mouth, looks down at you. And the last thing he says before the darkness closed seals up is you taste insignificant. And then poof. Sitlali, you fly through nothing, darkness, less than darkness, less than the mere absence of light. This is an active vacuum, thrumming, heaving, crackling void. You're floating in the middle of literal nowhere. 
Not a speck of light to illuminate the shadow that consumes every bare inch around you. This is space between space, vacancy between thought, the nowhere before there was somewhere, the no time before there was some time. There is absolutely nothing in here. There never was, there isn't, and there never ever will be. Not even taste or smell or sound. What do you do? thinks that Lolly tries to scream. And you try to scream, and nothing comes out. Yeah, that's what I figured. Um, between, like, getting to Dr. Aluso's and now, I think they had taken the feather from the Raven Queen that is their, their focus um, and sewn it into their dress because it's subtler and safer. So I think they try to cast light. You pr- like you hold on to that. You grasp for that feather, right? Like feeling without sight, without sound, without recognition through the darkness onto your own body. Thank God you still have a body as you're patting yourself down and you feel your arms and your limbs and you grab onto that feather and you focus and you try to pull on the weave, but it's like fingers grasping through air. There's no weave here. Sitlali, to pull on. This space exists outside of magic, outside of time and space. And as soon as this realization crosses your mind, almost as though in response to a thought forming in a place where no thoughts should form, the eyes open. Dozens, hundreds, thousands of eyes fly open All around you, white scleras, crimson irises, swiveling pupils of malformed, ever-changing shapes, circles, crescents, squares, stars, dots, slits, vectors, sparks, all swiveling and then finally fixated intensely upon you. Eyes above you, eyes below you, eyes to your left, to your right, around, everywhere, watching you. What do you do? I think in this moment, Sitlali is kind of like a prey animal because there's nothing they can do. And they have that slow, creeping, dreadful realization climb up their spine that they cannot talk their way out of this. They cannot seduce their way out of this. They cannot magic their way out of this. This is just what we're doing now. Would fear be the right word? I think it's it's past fear. It's the fear past fear. It's so primal. It's despair, isn't it? Yeah. As despair washes over you, as you just feel insignificant and powerless under the ever-watching gaze of, of, the, of the nothing plane in here, there is finally, amidst all this absence of sound, a noise. Uh, though it is not exactly encouraging. Uh, this noise sounds like a steel coil heating up. Kind of like a vroom, 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 And then the eyes around you begin to glow. Uh, not with heat uh, or cold, or even the tight netting of the weave, because there is no weave here. Uh, it's emptiness with empty heat empty sensation, this empty crimson glow suffuses the irises of every single eye in this vast nothing space, and you feel the edges of your body in response begin to end. Not disintegrate, not crumble into dust or burn or blast or roast or freeze or shed, just end, cease to exist. 
I would like to try a divine intervention. Uh, okay. What does it look like as you pray to your god, as you pick a god and pray? I think Sitlali rips, just rips their dress and rips the feather out of it. It wasn't very well sewn. That's not like their thing. Um, and in a fucking silent scream, just like calls for the Raven Queen who has been there every single time. You call for the Raven Queen silently. You feel your own, like you feel your throat vibrating with like force. You feel your lungs filling with empty air, the last of it that remains here. And you think you can feel the air pulsing with the, the force of your shout, but you hear nothing at all. It's just this empty doldrum of vast void pressing against your eardrums as you scream and the eyes glow brighter and you feel yourself edging away into nothingness. And then a god responds webbing out of nowhere, like frost forming on the pane of a window, rough chunks of black glass rise up around you, shielding you from the eyes and their empty void vibrations. The glass nets shut above your head, domes closed underneath your feet, around your arms and body. And as soon as it does, as soon as it completely closes around you, that... Horrible sensation biting at the edges of your body, burning your existence away, fades, stops instantly, just like that. And you hear a voice within this glass orb. Well, I wasn't expecting company. And I think Silali screams just to see if they can. You do. You scream and now your, your voice comes out. It sounds hoarse. Because while you were screaming earlier, you were like shredding your like voice open, right? It like, just cuts through the inside of this like dome that you're in. And you hear the voice go, ah, please don't do that. It's, oh, it's quite loud. Yes, you've got a healthy set of pipes, young person. And I think Sitlali just kind of slumps down and doesn't and even like look, does not even look up to like acknowledge who is speaking. Like, nah, um. <laughs> Yeah, you slump to your knees onto this like smooth black glass, right? The inside is completely smooth, but you sort of like see through like the vibrations of the glass. Like the outside is like rough, almost like a spiky shell. And you hear the voice again. Sounds like quite close to you, maybe like eight or 10 feet away. Uh, that's it's not a very big sphere. Um, the voice goes, would you like some tea? Gentle? Gentle? <laughs> is that a kind of tea? You're not gentle. Okay. Not a lot of people tend to describe me as gentle, no. And you're not the Raven Queen? The the Raven Queen? <laughs> so I'm probably not dead. Probably. No, no, darling, you're not dead. Not yet. And I think they look over at that. Raise your head, and you see an old human woman on the other end of this orb. Uh, she's sort of sitting down cross-legged and she has like a teacup out that has like tea in it and you smell it now. You smell like maybe uh, like a light green tea. Uh, maybe even like against your will, you've, you've learned about the different kinds of tea because of gentle and like you've gotten used to their smells and this is like a very fresh, fragrant, light green tea that she's got. You don't see a kettle anywhere though. She's just got a saucer and a teacup. Old lady, gray white hair threaded back into a very practical bun. This like cloth, padded cloth leather armor on, but she doesn't look like an adventurer. She doesn't have any visible weapons on her at all. She just looks like a regular old woman, right? With these like leg and arm wraps and looks up at you. And uh, you recognize her based on Oka's description. You're her. 
And she fixes her gaze on you. Uh, and you see that in her like regular like brown eyes, there are two different colors shot through both of them. Uh, one of them is just dark black, uh, the same color as like this black crystal that's formed around you, and the other is gold. You're her, right. They, um, we have Vinash. Oh, you- I don't, no. Uh, oh, that's too bad. I was going to ask you to hand him over if you had him. I would have, if I could have. I am not a paragon. Uh, looks like he's left his uh, mark on you. And she like tilts her head to the side and gesture, like indicates the lightning scars on your body. He has, yeah. Um, the paragon of sin is holding on to him for now. Um, I see. I, we... Heard you, felt you, calling for help. That's how we were able to find you here. You know, sense of time and space and place really distorts in the nothing plane. You're better than Oblivion, so I'll take it. <laughs> well, I would hope so. Are you sure you don't want some tea? I have too much here for just myself. Sit Lolly is sort of doing the, like, white woman doing math meme. Um... <laughs> But, like, traumatized, so it's slow math. Um, and I think they slowly just kind of, un like, pulled the dagger out of their boot because they did manage to keep that. They need to find you. Oka's a bloodhunter. Oka can, and I think they split their own palm and just, like, spill their own blood to try it. And they, like, with no real reason to it, like, right, they don't quite understand how uh, Oka's magic works. They're just kind of like bloodhound question mark. Um, and um, I think because she doesn't know what else to do with it, I think that Sitlali starts trying to like, starts trying to write out the sigil as she learned it as like a child for sending on the on the ground. As you desperately like do this magic. Old Mama Lightning just continues sipping her tea completely nonplussed. Yeah, you know, I've, I've tried using magic to contact my allies on the outside. None of it works and I'm a half formed paragon. You, you're welcome to try. I don't know, maybe you've got some trick up my sleeve that I don't, but honestly, uh, what's your name? I don't want to have to pry it out of you. I, you seem nice, so. I want to be gentle. Gentle, see? Does my name really matter, honestly? How else should I refer to you? Bite mouth? You've got that bite on, on your mouth. They flinch at that. Oh, not that one then. Lightning? Just call me nothing. Well, you seem to know who I am. Uh, old Mama Lightning, they call me. You know why? Because some people just need to be zapped with lightning. Uh, my real name is Dovrenye. They call me Captain Dovrenye. I don't know why I'm telling you all this. Probably because I have a feeling we're both gonna die at some point. You know, they've been trying to kill me the entire time I was here. The chrysalis, that is, the people who serve the stranger, big tall lady and my nightmares that keep popping up in my head. Uh, they failed. They're not very good at trying to kill me. This is Suraksha. Uh, hello, it's Suraksha, say hi. As she pounds on the glass. And you hear like a ringing sing back, almost like as a voice. And this is, you know, Saraksha protection. I can't really cut, I mean, the literal god of protection's in me, so it's kind of hard to kill me. Uh, too bad I don't have Vinash, though. I could zap this place to hell if I had him. 
And Thristy, well, Thristy made this, and she holds up the teacup. I asked Thristy if she could make, I don't know, like a empty killing spear, but she said that was impossible. I said, pah, you're useless. As I'm here, uh, they've sent all sorts of beasts knocking at the glass, big crocodile looking things stitched together with a lion to try to eat me, but that failed. This is things harder than diamond, don't you know? It's Saraksha. How are you gonna eat Saraksha? You can't. Plus, Saraksha tastes bad. I tried licking this glass just to see where that crocodile empty beast was getting all up in business of, and, um, you know, people think I'm a human. You know, I'll tell you the truth behind the aurochs. How about this? Because I really don't know if we're going to get out of this alive, and I don't want this secret to die with me. It's a pretty badass secret. So the aurochs is actually, and right then and there, Sitlali, you feel you feel something rise up in your soul. Something that is not Old Mama Lightning or Sadaksha or Thristy or the empty around you, but something that feels hot and panicked uh, and frenetic and bloodstained and crimson. Oka. You feel Oka's presence suddenly gush up inside you like a tidal wave and blah, like go up to your eyes, I think. And like maybe like your body just sort of like straightens as like you were like, you're, the blood in your palm that was spilled seems to like glow a little. You look up. Uh, and I think you don't see this, Sitlali, but we see that like some red lightning zaps off of your skin as your eyes for just a split second sort of shudder over uh, with like blue scleras and double pupils for like a half second as Oka for a single second looks through your eyes and stares at old Mama Lightning who's saying, the Orox is Vinash? Uh, and then you blink and the eyes are gone and Oka's presence is gone. What was that? I think that Lolly just kind of collapses over like the bloody sigil that they've been just drawing and redrawing. That means it worked. I told you. Blood magic. Blood hunter. Bloodhound. Oka. Oka's the paragon of sin. I probably forgot that part. They're coming for you. They're going to come for you. And it's oh. going to be fine. Oh, that is actually quite. Oh, well, thank goodness. I wasn't ready to die yet. I suppose my secret can stay with me then. I suppose Th so. Thank you, nothing. That was very helpful of you. I'm glad I rescued you. Happy to be of service. Uh, I think there's like a stretch of silence. <laughs> it's like a neither of you say something. You don't know how long the silence is. 30 seconds, 30 minutes, 30 hours. You have no idea. Time is weird here. Uh, also, it's awkward. After that stretch of silence, old mama lightning says, so are they coming or? Got an ETA on that? They will. They will. Well, okay, but until they do, just stop looking so glum, nothing. You're and you're not nothing. I refuse to keep calling you nothing. Give me something. Even if it's not your real name, I don't care. People call me old mama lightning. Some people think that's my real name. And I say you're a dunce if you think that. I suppose something works just as well. Okay, then something? Let's pass the time here. What do you like to play? You like chess? You like mahjong? You like dice? You like role-playing games? And Sitlali is just kind of like staring out for like past Saraksha, like at, you know. At the void. The yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just being like, I don't know how to have a human conversation right now. Uh. Oh, careful, darling. Something. Don't look out into the void too hard. If you do, it looks back. Literally. I noticed that. Look at me. Tell me about tell me about your favorite flavor of tea. I'm not very good at tea. Gentle's good at tea. 
I'm, okay. You've, is gentle a person, a dog? Yes. What is, uh, who is gentle? What is this gentle? Gentle's one of my favorite people in Andake. That's a funny name. Are they gentle? Yes. Oh, tell me about gentle then. How about that? Tell me about your best friend, gentle. Best friend is a loaded term. Why? Um, people are complicated and I don't do well with them. Hmm. I pretend to very well. Are you an actor? Uh, <laughs> I'm a patron of the arts. I, I like actors. Con artist is more accurate. Con artiste! I see. What's your grift of choice? Marked tarot deck. Oh, that's a good one. Ah, you peddle fortunes to poor folk who just want a little bit of hope or a little bit of reassurance that they're on the right path. Is that so bad? Sometimes I give them the real thing. Why? If they deserve it. Oh. Are you a good judge of character? Probably not. When you look at me, something, what do you think of my character? You're a paragon. That's not my character. That's my destiny. Two very different things. I thought I was a paragon once. That's a fun story. Tell that one. Tried to kill the real Paragon. Ooh! Is this Oka? Paragon no. of Sen? Then Oka who? doesn't have Sen yet. The Paragon of the Raven Queen. I think I've seen her in my nightmares. Tell me, is the current Paragon of the Raven Queen also a bird? A Kenku? No. She's oh. a revenant, actually. <laughs> well, that's... Fun. Yes, quite strange for the Raven Queen to commit sacrilege against herself, but... Ah, there but. are conflicting texts about what the gods really stand for. You know, we, as in the people of Endake, worship the parts of the gods that are the most convenient for us to worship, you see. Uh, the parts of the Raven Queen that say to sanctify life, and that death is a natural part of life, but don't carry it out before it's time to die. Which is why, you know, no murder... But, you know, there are also cults of the Raven Queen before the Cataclysm who venerated necromancy. And just look at too long, necromancers all up the wazoo there. You know, I'm actually from too long, technically. Well, I was born. Well, born is a loose word. I came into being in too long. How is born a loose word, old Mama Lightning? Ah, 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 ah. I've said too much. Now you tell me something about yourself, something. I've told you some things about me already. Tell that story. All right, okay, okay. I guess it, it's been a hundred years of me just carrying the secret of my tragic, yet very colorful backstory around. I suppose I'll share my song with you, something. You see, it all began when... Hold on. Don't move. Something's coming. Not you. Something else. And old Mama Lightning, like, freezes and raises, raises a finger and, like, looks around, you know? And she closes her eyes and places both palms on either, like, smooth edge of Soraksha's dome. And her eyes fly back open. And you see that the gold and the black shards in her eyes are, like, glowing very bright. And when she talks again, it's with, like, a triple-layered voice. Her own and Soraksha's and Thristy's layered in. And she just goes, they're here, run. Uh, and she shoves forward with her palms and you hear like a cracking noise 
as uh, Old Mama Lightning cracks Siraksha open, but causes like voof, like a wall of black glass to sort of shudder like stalactites, teeth of some huge like animal. Obsidian darts just forming almost like a, a, a thick wall between the two of you. Just in time, uh, as you see a bright light beyond Siraksha, like rip and tear open in the nothing. And you feel just beyond the thick like pane of glass of Siraksha, the weave. You suddenly can feel magic again, just sort of like filtering through this light as you and Old Mama Lightning are pulled out of the nothing plane and deposited back into the now, back in the present. Let's say 30 minutes in uh, now time before this occurs, you're gonna cut to gentle. Um, I think that I am probably uh, trying to just, not a perimeter check per se, but walking around a decent amount of, just to get a vibe on different areas, see if there's any interesting different talking points. Mostly so I like totally. can just know what's going on. I think you're with Mercy. Uh, the two of you are like pretending to be like attendees. You know, you're like threading your way through like the various booths. Like Mercy is, like, oh yes, this is interesting. I'm totally into all of this stuff that's going on here. Like kind of loud, you know, as you're like striding like through the crowd. You see tons of booths everywhere, just manned by chrysalis members, right? Covering all sorts of topics. You see a booth with like a big sign that says anecdotes of hope, where there's like various chrysalis members sharing their stories of how the chrysalis saved them. It's like, like a mini stage area where there's like a little groups of attendees on the lawn listening with their kids, right? And then you see like another booth that's like a people's history of the chrysalis, just like talking about the history of, you know, their founder, the Imago, the organizational structure looks kind of like a pyramid. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, and everywhere people are just passing out pamphlets. You also see like another booth that's like coping with loss for people who have lost people or things in the cataclysm and how the chrysalis offers hope, you know, like what to wish for, like a special booth to like be like, oh, once you join the chrysalis, you, you get a wish fulfilled about your body. What do you want to wish for? Here's the smartest way to phrase your wish, like stuff like that. You know, like all these booths of just people like flocking to them. Uh, and Mercy goes, there, wait, hold on. As she gets in line in front of a, a meat skewer booth. I mean, if this will help us blend in more, I, I, I think that's a good idea. Do we want to use, like, fake names like Sitlali tried earlier? Ooh, I like that. Uh, how about, let's use, like, the names that are opposite to who we are. So, Mercy, I guess I'll be, what's the opposite of Mercy? Uh, Vengeance? I'll be Vengeance. And Gentle, you can be Brutal. Brutal. I think that works. That feel yeah. That's tough. I think that works. We sound like real tough guys. I like that. Do you think they're, are we gonna sound too tough? Should we tone it down a bit? Is it too on the nose? Hmm. Maybe. I like not. I like brutal for you, but maybe not vengeance. How about uh? How about glory? Glory is good. I like glory. glory. For me. Yeah, that's a good one, right? Glory and brutal. I, hmm. Do we need a cover works. story for why we're traveling together? Why we're interested in the chrysalis? Ooh, what if uh, we're like siblings? I mean, I, we could just be looking to find uh, our way. Mm, lost travelers. We had everything taken from us by the cataclysm. Our family, everything else, and now it's just us. Yeah, I think that I think that works. Um, it's not not accurate. Um, so we're gonna. What are we doing after we get the meat skewers? Well, uh, oh, oh, hold on. We're, we're at the front of the line. Uh, hello. 
<laughs> Mercy like talks to the vendor. Uh, we'll have a uh, have two meat skewers, fried potato dumpling. I'll have a crispy roll stuffed with cheese, eggs, and peppers. I have a paratha. Uh, do you want do you want some parathas? Oh, let's have just a stack of parathas, some stir fried rice, and uh, how much is that? Three silver, three gold, three gold. What kind of a con scheme are you running? And she's like digging through her like armor and leather for like money, and she pulls out the vial Sitlali gave her. Oh fuck! Uh, gentle, this is for you. Uh, should I look at this now? Uh, once here's your three gold. She like scoops up all the food and like like hodls out of the way. Uh, I totally forgot. Shit. Uh, I mean the fucking hotel exploded, so it kind of slipped my mind. So Lolly wanted me to give this to you before okay. they went to Sybils. Should I should I look at this now? Did they tell me when to look at it? Or maybe is it it'll just... help us find her. Open it. What is it? Okay. Um. I'll, I'll open the I'll open this this little vial. So, uh, gentle. I'm going to get Bud back. I hate to see you worry. I hate to see you hurting. I'm going to talk to her. We need her and hers on our side, no matter her crimes. I know you want to fight her, but right now we might need her. Pretty word should do the trick. A little flattery can get you anywhere. It's going to be okay, gentle. Trust your second, please. I'm going to roll inside to see if there's anything I can glean from that in terms of helping find Silali. Let me see. Uh, 26. <laughs> Silali, have you by any chance infused this note with magic or anything like that? No. <laughs> what are the vibes of this letter? <laughs> what are the vibes of this letter, Silali? I think it's all there on the page. <laughs> so it should be taken at face value. It's genuine. Yes. It's a heartfelt, genuine letter that came from a true, deep place within, which is saying a lot for Sitlali. And Mercy stands there, you know, like with the skewers and all this food, like tucked. She just goes, well, what was that about? Can you find them through it? Is there magic in it? Where are they? I don't think it's magical. I mean, it's really like sweet and nice, but not magical. Um... (sighs) Gen- this is mostly about talking to Sybil, I think. <sighs> Je- Brutal. I am freaking out here, okay? And, like, the skewer, like, quivers in Mercy's hand. I'm trying my best to put on a brave face and just, you know, eating this food will help calm me down because I'll be, I'll be energized. But I'm really worried about Sid Holly, Okay. I mean, the nothing plane ripped V, who's a fucking paragon apart. Did you see those scars on her body? I put a healing uh, hand on Mercy's arm, mostly to give a very, like, calming sensation. Mm. Um, I mean, like the letter said, trust, trust your second. Um, I have faith in Sitlali because Sitlali's really good at what they need to do. And I mean this in a, in a nice way. They're very headstrong. And I don't think Sitlali wouldn't want to come back to see you or the rest of us. So I have faith in, I have faith in them. And I know we're going to find her and we'll save her. <sighs> Thank you, Brutal. It's exactly what I needed to hear. I need to get this in my stomach. And she like starts like scarfing down the food. I wow. Say what you want about the chrysalis. They make... Damn good flatbreads. Um, I think while Chloe's doing that, I'm going to keep an ear out for anything that might be interesting to note. Okay. I think we yeah. have a decent cover going. 
You do. I think like as you continue to wind your way through the mar- like through this like market area with like all these booths and food stalls, all these clamoring voices, running children, like little pet dogs and cats like yapping about, keeping your ears open for anything interesting. Maybe like one one eye drawn to that main stage, like in the center of all of this. We're gonna like pull out of where Mercy and Gentle are and swivel around to find Jaron. Where do we find you and what are you doing? Jaron's goal for being here at the Chrysalis Conference is to find Sitlali, specifically. I mean, we're gonna find Old Mama Lightling wherever we find Sitlali, but his goal specifically is to get Sitlali. So I think he's gonna go to the main stage and try and find some way to get into the back doors or back chambers of the Chrysalis uh like conference, because presumably if Sitlali is part of the big miracles that are happening, like they're gonna be brought to that stage. So they're probably being kept somewhere back there. Uh, You've got like a chrysalis shawl on, right? And have you like split from the rest of the party? Are you like trying to go at it alone? I think uh, Jaron would have uh, just kind of like mentioned where he was going, but not asked anybody to go with him. So if anybody wants to follow him, that's fine, but he's not asking anybody to come with. Yeah, uh, Ravi's with you. Ravi has peeled off. I think Mercy and Gentle are together, and like Ravi has like volunteered to go with you. Like, is like we should stick together, like safety in numbers. Uh, so she's with you as the two of you are sort of like slinking by. I think like the barricade that's been erected at like the base of these massive stairs. Right, see the empty stage, maybe like eighty feet beyond the stairs, with its like huge like projection screens that are currently blank and empty. Um, and the massive like instead of like a back like stage tile area. There's just like the awning, the opening into the Chamber of the Republic, um, whose dusky chambers sort of just hang in the void. Uh, you can't see beyond it, but you assume maybe there's like a backstage green room set up in the foyer. And Bravi seems to follow your gaze, hunkers like her hood down, like low over her rugged eyes and sort of like like nudges you and says, hey, I think there might be a back entrance up into that foyer area if we just skirt along the edge over here. Okay, let's uh, maybe try and not draw any attention to ourselves where we're going, but I think I can pick any locks we might find on the way. Yeah, let me just uh, shout and scream that we're here to infiltrate the Senate house and that we hate the Chrysalis. Of course, I'm gonna be stealthy, Jaron. Well, I don't know how much practice you have. You're a blood hunter like Oka, and they're not exactly the most subtle of people. How much practice? Uh, This isn't my first rodeo, kid. I know how to act when pressure is high. Come on. Uh, and she's gonna look around. I think you're maybe like parallel to the stage, maybe off like stage left or something. So you can see like the huge like wooden iron structures beyond this little barricade. Uh, she looks to her left, looks to her right and hops the barricade over and gestures for you to follow. Uh, Jaron will follow. Um, also look at keeping an eye out as well for any like Chrysalis staff members or anything like that uh, to see if we're being watched or followed in any way. Okay, but first I need you to make a stealth check. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. There's no way I can fail this. Don't Okay, I got, I got, I know I just did. I got a three plus 14, so 17. You jinxed yourself. Moments before disaster, Humna, what? Oh my God. Okay, but still 17 out of for Bravi. It's gonna be hilarious if she beats you. (laughs) She rolled an 18. So that's what, like a 23? Uh, Yeah, so she's also like, (laughs) She's folded herself, I think, against like the marble pillars that like, hold up the Chamber of the Republic. Um, and she's like looking at you. How are you like, you're also stealthy, but not as stealthy as her. How are you sticking out a little? 
my god, just uh, just after I Loki and like questioned her ability to be stealthy, dear lord. Um, so Jaron is going to. I think the way that Jaron, I think right now because of everything that has happened, like Jaron has woken up from this nightmare, like stabbed Oka a little bit, um, is extremely concerned about Sitlali. I think all of this is kind of making it so that he's a little bit distracted, right? And so he's not able to uh, maybe like conceal himself as uh, as well as he normally would. Um, so I think the way that Jaron sticks out a little bit is that they are kind of like over-exaggerating their movements a little bit. You know, like they're being like a little bit too slow in the way that they're moving and like trying a little too hard to look natural and like blending in. Oh my God, you're like creeping. <laughs> you're, you're creeping next to Ravi. Ravi stares at you as her back is folded against a marble pillar and just says, what the hell are you doing? You look like a praying mantis. It's it's a bug, right? The chrysalis, they like bugs. Stop that. And she slaps you kind of hard, like on your like raised like wrist. Just act natural. Oh. Aren't you a rogue? Wait. And you're insulting yes, my am. ability to stealth. Come on. Don't let your nerves get the better of you, kid. Okay. Okay. Oh, you reek of naivete. And she's just gonna sort of like sidle like along <laughs> along the side of the Senate House, right? Uh, and lead you as you're sort of like hidden in the shadow of like the broad opulent awnings that sort of fan out on either side, leads you up like a, a smaller flight of stairs along the side uh, of the Chamber of the Republic. So if you can imagine, if the Chamber of the Republic is kind of a rectangular building, like one of the bottom sides of the building is like where the huge flight of stairs are in the main entrance. So you're skirting along one of the longer horizontal sides, right? And there are like like stairs that lead up those as well, but those are less heavily guarded, even though the entire thing is enclosed in a barricade, right? And there is a patrol of like day watch soldiers like whistling and like walking through the grass, right? So why don't you make a perception check for me to dodge the soldiers on your way into the chamber? Oh, not 20! We're making up for my awful stealth roll. You truly are, truly are. Uh, I think your ears sort of perk up as you hear like just like the tr trampling of grass underfoot, like leather boots, like coming around a corner, like 50 feet behind you, right? Like you can hear a, a guard on patrol whistling a little bit, like this whistle cutting through the hubbub of like the crowd of the chrysalis, just like moving between booths and whatnot, like drifting on the wind toward you. And Bravi doesn't seem to have noticed. What do you do? I think Jaron panics and goes instinctively to one of the things that they know how to do, which is they're very good at mimicking other people's voices. So I think Jaron is going to, just without even like thinking about it, like in a panic, it's going to shift into Adam's voice as best that he can and say, stop, turn around and go the other way. Okay, okay. Like, okay. <laughs> like around the corridor. Roll performance not good at performance. 15. Okay. You throw your voice, I think, over your shoulder and you do like a, a workable job. I'm just gonna have the soldier like roll awareness, I guess. <laughs> he rolled Wait. a two. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, you don't you don't need whatever fancy feature you've got because this guy rolled a two. Yeah, there's like a pause. You hear like the grass stop being trampled uh, and you hear a whistle go, what? go. I... Of course. Uh, sorry. Where? Never mind. Uh, and you hear like the footsteps like recede like back around the corner again. And Ravi pauses. She's got like one step on like the stairs here, about to like go up into the chamber. She looks at you and goes, "Was that you?" Yes, I. Um, <clears throat> I'm good at imitating people's voices. 
Whose voice was that? Someone high up in the chrysalis. Come on, let's go. There won't be long until somebody else gets here. Familiar. Uh, Okay, yeah, you're right. Uh, And Ravi, like, shakes her head a little bit and, like, goes up the stairs. I think, like, as you, like, push past her, like, on the stairs, you notice her, like, looking at you a little, like, her brow is furrowed, you know, like, her eyes are kind of glinting a little suspiciously, but, like, we're pressing on. And as, like, the two of you go up into this chamber, you see the foyer, which is, like, the area of the Chamber of the Public, like, right after the main entrance, right after the main awning. There are various ways into this foyer. It's sort of, like, open, almost like the uh, main entrance of, like, Grand Central Station or or whatever, and there's like tons of different ways to get to it. You know what I mean? Um, it's massive. And there is a huge statue in the center of the foyer that is almost as tall as like the roof of the chamber house itself of Yudabafi. Uh, you see a three-headed god, an elf, an orc, and a dwarf head on this like broad shoulder and like carrying like a lightning bolt and sort of in like a dance, uh, but also like war stance, right? But this statue has been draped in like chrysalis sashes, right, are like dangling off of the crook of its elbow, like tied around the statue's like marble waist, right? And like powder has been splashed on top of the statue to make it kind of green and glittery. Uh, And in the base of the statue, I know, fucking sacrilege. In the base of the statue, you see like an impromptu green room has been set up and like a huge slat of light from the outside falls, like a single pillar of radiant light beam like falls down from like the entry way onto the statue and onto the green room and you see like just maybe a dozen Daywatch soldiers like patrolling this area like keeping like an eye out on the shadowy crevices where you and Bravig are lurking in and you see Adam uh, sat up at this green room currently being attended by no fewer than like five servants who are sort of powdering his face you know like linting down like this like glittery green emerald jacket he's got on like tightening the emerald green tie around his neck and he's sort of looking to a and like looking from side to side as a servant applies makeup. And you see like under, and this is all at the base of the Yudabathi statue. And under the table, you even see that like a servant is sort of like massaging his feet. He just doesn't see, seems completely nonplus and is like looking at himself. What do you do? Ignoring whatever Peacock show is going on there, uh, Jaron is going to look around the room to see, is there any hint of Sitlali or Old Mama Lightning in this green room or any indication of like, Jaron doesn't know how the weave works, but any indication of like a, a portal or an entrance to the nothing plane where we know that they're being kept. With your natural 20, not at all. And as you're lurking in the shadow, like next to a huge pillar, Ravi actually pulls you like behind the pillar and says, hey, 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 careful. There's tons of guards here. Listen, kid, the nothing plane, which is where your friend and the paragon of Yudabathi are, is not a physical location as we know it. Very likely that asshole over there. Adam, I think. I've only met the guy once or twice. He's probably got a way to contact the Nothing Plane or get to it. If there's a way into that area, it's probably on him. If it's if it's another plane, though, don't don't magic users do that? Go travel between planes? Maybe you could break in somehow. Are you out of your mind? That's where Lolly is being kept if we want to get her. You think I have a way to to just commune with the the nothing plane and open up a portal? You think I wouldn't have done that already and we didn't have to just infiltrate their stupid conference? What do you need? What do you need to get there? (sighs) It's not on me. It's on that prick. And and listen, we can't just go up to him and ask, okay? These, These cult members are masters of manipulation. That's what they do. 
they lie to you, they sell you pretty stories of salvation or whatever the fuck ever, all to manipulate you. Okay, fine, but if anything goes south, if it looks like we are losing our grip on what's happening here, it's worth a shot. Shit, shit. And like, uh, she pulls you even like more flush against the pillar. Uh, and you notice that like all the servants begin to like move away from Adam as he stands. Servants like slip on his like leather shoes, you know, and he turns and begins to stride out onto the stage. Ah, fuck. Okay, okay, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. We have a good view on him here, right behind him. Looking on Adam's person, does it seem like he has anything unusual like on him other than his very gaudy outfit? With your nat 20 perception, no. No? He just looks like a dude with a suit on. Oh, is he gonna open up? Okay, okay. All right, Uh, and on that, I think Adam begins to stride off toward the stage, and we're gonna cut to someone else. I think that Oka is still up on the balcony, and depending on how many people are up there and how many good hiding places there are, I think they've just kind of been shrugging on and off this invisibility, like pulling it on and off, like their own kind of cloak hiding from everyone. And they have like paced around the entire circumference of the Senate house now, like probably several times, trying to find the best vantage point to the stage, this like direct line where they can't be seen, but also can have like a good line of sight. And I think as they're walking, they are listening, but not to necessarily the world around them. For the first time in a really, really long time, they have a soul that's put together and they have a god residing in that soul. And they've seen V and Rev and their mother, father, and even Vaska talk about talking to the gods in their souls. But Oka's never been able to do that. But they've never really been able to try, I think, because their soul was shattered apart. But now that they have a complete soul, I think these are like the thoughts that are like percolating in their head as they keep playing over and over, seeing through Sitlali's eyes for that brief moment, seeing Old Mama Lightning, seeing Siraksha and Thristi. And I think there's like this moment that Ogala kind of finds this like quiet spot by themselves up on this balcony that they're going to just kind of like plunge down into their soul and stir up some of that old familiar rage. And as that rage rises up to meet you, uh, like plumes of red dust just swirling frenetically in the desert with little sparks of lightning coming off of it. You hear Vinash's voice, clear as thunder, as clear as you've ever heard it, ring through your body, mind, and soul, whisper in a growl. Sraksha, Thristi, I can feel them. They're here, but they're not here. And I think compared to it, Oka's voice is a lot smaller than they want it to be. Can we get to them? Mm, They are in the nothing plane, the place that never was, never is, and never will be. But we found them. We could pull them out. And I think, like, as Vinash considers this, even, like, I think little, like, sparks of lightning begin, like, leaping off the surface of your skin. Your soul has been sutured back together, vessel. This is the first time you've spoken to me of your own free will. I didn't really know it was possible. I didn't either. I always knew there was something wrong with you. Now I see... You're almost whole. 
What do you mean, almost? Well, Sen's not here, are they? That doesn't make me whole. The gods. Our love is what makes you whole. And your love for us is what makes us whole. You remember them? You tried to eat them in the Silent Grove? Could you find them that way? Eat is such a person word. I am lightning itself. I am fire incarnate. I am destruction. It is simply what I do. Lightning strikes, fire burns. I eat. And I'm a knife. So let me cut the hole and you reach through. And Oka has been wearing the chisel. Like on this on this silver thread from Jaron, they have literally, I think, never taken it off. It sits there, even without their soul on it anymore. It's there, it's on them, it's always on them. And they reach underneath their shirt and they pull it out. And I think their memory flashes back to being in Queen Moa's private dungeons, watching what we now know as uh, Kilohana using the chisel to tear open reality. And it didn't go to the nothing plane, but it did go somewhere else. And Oka considers the chisel and they look like kind of over their shoulder at the stage and they take a deep breath and try to focus. Let me guide your hand. Do not be scared of my power. And you feel like lightning begin to like ripple off your shoulders and like down your arms and zap the chisel. And the chisel grows like red hot, like crimson hot in your hand, but it doesn't burn you. You feel its power quivering though. And Vinash says, Fear is the enemy of power. Do it now. I am not afraid. And Oka fucking just slashes across the air in front of them. You try to... (laughs) You try to lodge the tip of the chisel uh, into the invisible weave all around you and, and roll me Arcana. <sighs> Instant regret. <laughs> Instant regret. What'd you get? A natural one. I love it. Here's what happens. You find a hook in the weave, a little window that the tip of this chisel latches onto and it doesn't move in midair anymore. And Vinashus like roars in your ear, rip! Oka rips. It is fucking hard, Oka. Like, uh, like you're like squeezing the chisel and you begin to try to rip open a portal into the fucking nothing plane, right? Like, tell me how you're opening it into the nothing plane and not a- another place. Like, what are you channeling? What image are you drawing on? What's your focus? Sitlali's blood. Because Oka's never been to the nothing plane. But they do know Sitlali, and they can feel they can feel literally the moment that they were fighting with Vanash while Vanash was sucking the life out of Sitlali, and they can smell her blood like in their nose. And it like almost recently spilled somehow, right? Like that it's there and they're just kind of like frenetically attached to it. And that's the moment that they're hooking onto and pulling on and sheer force of fucking will pulling the world apart. Unlike Kilohana's just clear rip and tear through reality, yours is like chiseling through flesh made of ice. You're uh, dragging it. And where you do, where you see like the rip begin to form and you see just like void oblivion peering through. And Vinash goes, yes, keep keep going, going. tear, rip, sunder. As you like, uh, 
are like trying to like carve it down and you see unlike Kilohana, the air begins to bleed from where you rip it open because you're like carving open a wound into the fabric of the weave and you see just like golden blood dribble through the scar, this wound you're etching open and it takes you like an entire minute of straining to open even like a, you know, inch of it open. But even as exhaustion begins to pump through your body, Vinash is like zapping your muscles, right? Like telling you to keep going, invigorating you with magical strength. And as you're uh, straining, they're trying to get to sit lolly. Jaron, and gentle and Oka, in your different places all across the conference, you all see the light around you because it's like mid-afternoon at this point or like early afternoon, just dim. In one fell swoop, all the light is like sucked out of the Senate house. And people who are chittering and talking like suddenly grow quiet and they're like murmuring like, what's going on? Like the light is completely gone, but it's almost like a light's going down before a show. Uh, and Oka, maybe you're like distracted for like half a second, but Vinash goes, no. Keep going, we're close. And is like zapping you with more energy and like forcing your hand to go down. In the middle of this happening, we all see the stage light up. Uh, or rather the base of the stairs begin to light up with these spotlights coming out of nowhere. Like boosh, 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 boosh. Uh, And we all hear Adam's voice echoing throughout the conference from everywhere and nowhere at once as like the show begins. And his voice just sort of goes, Everyone, thank you so much for attending this conference, for hearing us out here in Dabathati. My name is Adam. I am the Imago of the Chrysalis, but I wasn't always. And then an illusion, a beautiful emerald illusion, like a statue carved out of green glass, like ribbons itself into existence at the base of the stairs and we see Adam like an illusory glass green form of Adam right and he sort of like stumbles up the stairs you know looking lost right it's like very like interpretive like he's like you know like moving through the darkness and like like holding his hands up and like looking and falling to his knees and crawling up the stairs and getting back up and continuing to go up. And Adam narrates uh, as we see his story form. And as he does, we see the crowd begin to surge toward like the barricade, you know, like approach the stage. Everyone's excited for like the main presentation to begin. Um, And Adam's voice rings out and says, I too once was lost, shrouded in darkness, aimless, unsure of myself and my future. This was even before the cataclysm. I mean, how many of you can relate to this feeling of being directionless? And there's like people like murmuring in the crowd. A few people hold up their hands. Like people shout out like, I have, like, yes, me. You know, like people shouting, responding to this presentation. Uh, And then this glass atom like stumbles to a halt at one of the landing points of the stairs, maybe halfway up, sort of like falls onto his hands and knees. And then the cataclysm happened. (laughs) I thought I was already at my low point. But here I was, scraping the bottom of the barrel. I'm not proud to admit it, but I hit my lowest. And I know many of you out there have hit your lowest as well. Maybe you are at your lowest right now, but there is hope. I found the chrysalis. Uh, And then spotlights go all the way up the stairs to the stage where people gasp as we see like a illusion of like a big, I think, chrysalis floating in the screens on either side of the stage. Like it's a literal fucking concert. Uh, But instead of being just like a kind of like a green metapod looking thing, it is a chrysalis 
that seems to be pure white. And it's just sort of like floating around. Uh, and there's like little like crenellations and crevices that maybe look like different segments of an actual chrysalis. But when you peer closer, you realize what the plates are. They're plates of wings. Uh, these are just wings folded in on themselves to form the vague shape of a chrysalis. White wings. Uh, and this glass atom looks up at these like chrysalis images on the empty station pulls himself back up with like a sense of hope and begins to climb up the, the next flight of stairs. And we hear Adam's voice go, the chrysalis was beautiful. It gave me hope. It brought me peace, freedom, freedom from all this pain in my soul, freedom from the pain in the world around me, freedom from hurt, freedom from suffering. And the glass atom crawls up onto the stage, right? And like stands in the center of the stage and turns around. And then like, there's like a poof of like light and like an explosion of just like magic and like wind whips around the stage. People gasp, you know, like boo, like little firework explosions go up, like flames scout up. And when like the stage clears and like mist, like fog, like pours down the stairs and onto the crowd, we see that the glass version of Adam has been replaced by the actual Adam in that like shimmering, like bright emerald jacket, you know, the bright emerald pants, emerald suit, you know, like neck tie. Like he's just like pulling his hands out and like gesturing at the crowd and the crowd is like erupting into cheers. People are chanting his name, Adam, Adam. And, like other people can't chanting like Chrysalis, Chrysalis, you know, and he's just like, you know, like hyping them up a little bit and he smiles and looks and waves and he goes, that's all the Chrysalis wants, people of Dabithati. That's all we want, to soothe everyone's wounds, physical wounds, magical wounds, emotional wounds, spiritual wounds, wounds that the eight wrought upon all of us when they abandoned us in the cataclysm. And everyone like cheers again and there's like a final explosion, right? And like some like lights go up, you know, like there's like lasers and like a light, like a fucking light show is happening here, right? It's like, it's like, it's insane, right? Um, and like he waits until the cheering dies down and he says, and that's why you're all here to see the first miracle of the chrysalis itself performed. And he gestures upward and the weave begins to shift. Adam, radiant under stage lights, pale skin shining with a thin sheen of sweat, his lips slashed open in an anticipatory grin, flings his arms wide. The air above him shimmers, vibrates, tightens, his jacket glimmers like an emerald shot through with starlight. And the crowd at the bottom of the stairs, about 50 feet away, is going rabid, screaming and chanting, pressing their bodies against the barricade, spittle flying through the air in rapturous praise and anticipation. And then, ripping open the weave above Adam's head, all of you see a horizontal line of darkness. A void black sneer leering through the fabric of reality, oozing a black miasma of empty nothingness into the now. And Sitlali, inside the nothing plane, wrapped up in crystals of black glass, you see a dazzling line of light rip open in front of you. And you feel the weave again, dulled, of course, beyond Suraksha's protection, but there. The strings tense and frayed and tremulous, but 
there. And you hear a crack uh, as old Mama Lightning punches her hands up and causes a wall of spiky black glass to form and separate the two of you. And there's a shattering noise, actually, as your orb, your half of the orb, kind of like breaks off from old Mama Lightning's. And she sort of turns to you and muffled voice through the void and through the black glass says, stay inside the glass. He wants me. I'm not putting you in danger, something. Uh, and then you feel your orb and old Mama Lightning's orb also begin to drift toward that sun-bright portal, the radiant tear into the now. And right before you're sucked through, Sitlali, your eye catches another point of light off to your left or right, or there's no sense of direction in this space, right? And you see it. A second portal, much, much smaller than this one, a freckle in comparison to this gash tearing itself open in the empty. You glimpse Oka's face, uh, suspended in the inky nothingness, their sapphire eyes sparking with red lightning. And Sitlali, that's the last thing you see before you're dragged through this huge portal and into the now. And back on the stage, Adam flourishes his wrists like a conductor, and all of you see two large, rugged kind of spheres of black crystal, black glass, afloat out of this black rift and onto the stage on either side of Adam. Uh, and you see the darkened silhouette of Sitlali in one sphere and the darkened silhouette of Old Mama Lightning in the other sphere on opposite directions of each other. And you also hear the crowd screaming, shrieking, losing their collective shit as this is happening. They think it's part of the show. They're excited for whatever's gonna happen next. They're, they're anticipating it. They're chanting. They're pumping their fists through the air. And you all see Adam, arms splayed open like <laughs> Andake Savior, uh, smiling down at the shouting masses. And then he says, his voice projected loud magically for all to hear, let the miracle begin. Roll initiative. 23! Okay, Jerron gets a 23. These Oka dice are no longer my friends. I rolled a natural one. Plus four. Five total. Uh, 24 for me. Ooh! 24 for Gentle. What about Sitlali? 23. Okay. I like that it's a 24, 23, 23, 1. Uh, so, Gentle, uh, you are gonna go first. You see all of this that I just described happen, but I think you're, like, in the mix of the main crowd up against the barricade at the bottom of the stairs, right? Because that's where we left you last, and Mercy is right next to you, and she sees, like, these two orbs come out, like, and she sees, like, the dark form of Sitlali suspended in one, and you just see her face set, right? And she turns to you, and she says, Gentle, that's her. We have to go now. Yeah, um, I have an idea then. Uh, so the plan is I'm going to use fog clown, or not fog clown, fog clown. <laughs> A foggy clown. <laughs> I'm going to use fog cloud uh, on like center of the area we're in and then just do my best to lift mercy up and, you know, just try to get us up and over everything. Yeah, I think there, I mean, this entire time during like Adam's display, right? There's a lot of fog rolling down from the stage. And I think the fog and the mist just sort of congeals and thickens around you as you cast the spell. Why don't you describe to us like how the spell works? Um, I think 
I think Gentle's hands are honestly like the medium in which any sort of magic-y things they do uh, tend to flow from. But their hands begin to glow with a little bit of like gray, um, symbolizing like the fog, and it begins to get denser. I think their hands also begin to like darken as well as this cloud becomes like more and more like corporeal, I guess. And yeah, no, just like from where we sit, it just envelops everything around us. And I just like reach out for like, Mercy, is this, this is you, right? Uh, what, 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 is, is that you, Gentle? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, d- I'm gonna this? try to fly. Yeah, I, yes. I could, I know a little magic, like a little, little, not a lot. Um, but I'm gonna try to fly, so I need you to do your best to not make this harder for me. That's fine, just get us, get us to that stage. Get us to Sitlali now, please. And you feel like yeah. Mercy's hands like grope for you and she like grabs awkwardly onto an ankle and then onto like a, a bicep. She like doesn't know uh, where you are. You know, that'll get the job done. Um, what, did, what do I have to roll to lift Mercy? Give me an athletics check, my friend. Oh boy. She's muscle. She got muscle. 16. Takes you a minute to get started. Uh, so I think you're struggling to get out of the crush of people around you and also to lift Mercy's like sheer muscular heft like off of the ground. It takes you a minute, right? Like a like a plane that's like struggling to take off a bit and you uh, like you like float a little bit up, you know, like there's other grabbing hands. People around you are shouting. They think it's part of the show, right? They're like, you know, shouting Ooh, and screaming. They're shouting. excited about the, the fog that's thickening and uh, eventually you like break free, I think of like the sea of people around you and you like crest up into the mist uh so you're trying to head right for the stage yeah yeah i think also just due to the shouting gentle is probably like breathing a little bit panicked just because too much noise i think you feel like mercy's like hand kind of like tighten a little bit around your ankle that she's holding onto on on one hand uh, but not in like a squeezing like hurting your bones way but almost in like a comforting way she just goes like hey 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 you got this gentle okay yeah yeah, uh, anything to save Sitlali. We got this. Yeah, Sitlali's counting on you. Our family needs you. Oh, I think Gentle said all out loud. Don't say all at me. Okay, just just go, okay? Just go, 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 Gentle. You go. Will that make you faster? Just, I, and you can hear Mercy, like, kicking at, like, the people <laughs> on the ground to, like, help get you up more. Um, I will try to aim a little bit higher just so Mercy doesn't kick innocent people. Yeah, she's like not caring who she's kicking. Like there's people screaming underneath her. Uh, and yeah, you like lift up out of the crowd. No man, woman or child spared. Uh, so what's your what's your flying speed? Same as my uh, walking and swimming, 50. Oh, wow. Okay, that's enough to I'm get you right. very fast. That, yeah, that's enough to get you right up to like the top of the stairs, like at the edge of the, of the stage. So like within like a couple of seconds, you break through this fog cloud cover that you've sort of caused to thicken like right at the bottom of the stairs and you begin to fly and sweep up the marble stairs. And you see like, as you get closer and closer to that rift, it's like approaching the eye of a storm. The weave is sort of whipping around you. There's like wind like whirling out of this like dark swirling vortex of that portal into the nothing plane. Adam is underneath it. Like it's fucking like conductor or preacher arms still wide. Like the two crystals are still floating down. They haven't touched down on the stage quite yet. Yet, but they're coming down. Um, and Adam seems like preoccupied in keeping the rift open and also putting the two crystals down. Uh, and at the end of your turn, you appear right at the edge of that stage, right? With like Mercy sort of like, ah, Sibali, hey, 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 we're coming for you, hey. Uh, just sort of like swinging off of you, gentle. And is that your turn? Uh, 
Mercy, once again, please, I I don't have the best grip on you. Please, this isn't Throw helping. me, throw me. Just, uh, just, just, I can do it. I'll stick a landing. Sure. And, like, I just try to kick my legs, I guess. <laughs> okay, you're gonna, I'm gonna say that you do a help action as she makes an uh, acrobatics check. Ooh, she rolled a 19 base. Uh, so as you like kick your body at the end of your turn, Mercy sort of like flips through the air and like sticks like a dope landing. like, And I think she craters like the wood a little bit and causes Adam's head like sort of snap down. And you notice that Adam's eyes are like glowing and sparking this kind of like black, right? Like his scleras are completely filled with this like inky void blackness that you didn't notice until now because now you can actually get a proper look at his face instead of the usual like black icy chips of blue uh, that are that are his eyes usually. Um, he looks down, sees like you and Mercy who's just stuck a landing and he, <laughs> oh, you're a little late to the miracle, don't you think? I'm afraid it's almost here. And he begins to turn his wrists and like close them into a fist. And gentle, you feel like the weave tighten from the void uh, as he does that. Is that the end of your turn? Yeah, I just sort of take a defensive position just for good measure. Sounds good. Uh, maybe landing or floating next to Mercy, right? Prepared to strike. And next is going to be Jaron. Seeing the rift open up, because we're backstage, so I think we can have like a pretty good vantage point of everything that's going on on the stage. And seeing the rift open up and like Sitlali and Old Mama Lightning coming down, I think Jaron will turn to Ravi and say, come on, there's Sitlali, we need to go get her. Yes, and there's Old Mama Lightning, come on. Uh, as she like peels away from the pillar and begins like running. Uh, but first, Jaron, there are guards everywhere. Right, there's like a dozen guards here uh, that were just like sort of milling about in the foyer. When the miracle, quote unquote, began, they were standing kind of at attention in the foyer, watching from backstage, kind of slack jawed. They look like, whoa, like they're totally taken by this. Like their their eyes are glued to this rift, right? And you even see a few of them sort of fall to their knees in the shadow of Yudabathi's statue in rapture and begin to like pray to the chrysalis. So they're pretty distracted. But as the two of you are running, a couple of them like snap their gazes up and they go, hey, 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 hey. And they start to go for their weapons. But Ravi flicks out her heavily tattooed muscular arm, right? And her hood falls back as she does this. You see like this like ink black tattoo that's sort of coiled like a snake, like around one arm, just lift off of it uh, as a massive thorny whip just like unravels from her hand as she grabs on to her own black blood and whips it outward. And just like in like a single like hit in a single strike, like causes like five or six guys to go tumbling through the air. They smack against pillars and roll across the marble. She turns to you and she says, keep going, go. And she's like running after you as well. Is Ravi following Jaron, like in the direction that Jaron is going? You're going towards Sitlali, right? She's heading straight yes. toward Old Mama Lightning, like breaking away from you. Jaron is first going to try and grab Ravi's arm and like pull her, like, no, like we need to go get Sitlali. What are you talking about? There's two of us. You get your friend and I'll get, I'll get Old Mama Lightning. Ravi, come on, no. If Sitlali needs help, if anything happens to her, we can't, we can't have anything happen to her. That's their girlfriend right there, isn't it? And like she gestures toward Mercy who just has stuck like a dope like crash landing and like gentle as well. You've got your friends, they can, t they can help you with her. I, I have to help old mama lightning. If she dies then, and Dake is, there's no end. And if they die, Jaron is like gesturing to Sitlali. And if they die, then what about the rest of us? No hound left behind. There, 
all of your friends are here. Just let me take care of old mama lightning and you get it, Lolly. And she like tries to like wrest her like wrist away from you and run toward old mama lightning's crystal. Jaron is gonna try and tackle her to the ground. That is a grapple check. Uh, so you're gonna have to use athletics against her athletics or acrobatics. Damn it, okay, 16. Well, Ravi actually rolled a nat one. <laughs> you tackle her to the ground. And I think the two of you like tumble over the hard marble. And this is all happening in the shade of Yudabati's statue, right? The three heads looking impassively down as the two of you are like tussling, right? And like the guards are like, oh, like groaning, trying to pick themselves up around you. What has gotten into you, Jaron? We can't, we can't do anything for old mama lightning. It's Sit Lolly we need to worry about. What are you talking about? She's right there and Sit Lolly's right there too. You, there's two of us and two more of your allies on the stage. I don't understand what's happening. I can't, I can't let you save old mama lightning. What? The only way that Oka lives is if old mama lightning doesn't. You spoke to him, didn't you? You spoke to that blonde snake. He showed me a different future, no. one that we could have. No, he manipulated you, Jaron. That's what I was saying earlier. That's what they do. They manipulate people. I saw it happen with every single miner in Ujval. I saw it happen to my friends. People are desperate what for hope. What about the gods? Are they not manipulating us? Are they not manipulating the paragons to give up their lives? The stranger stole the eight from the sky, Jaron. The eight are not your enemy here. They're our allies, and they need us. Allies would not ask us to give up the people that we love most in the world. <sighs> Jaron, this is, this is not the way. And you just hear like a massive groaning noise as you realize while, while you've been talking, Ravi has leashed her whip around one of the arms of Unabathi, the statue, and is pulling it down on the two of you. Like the statue begins to like fall like toward you, like the chrysalis sashes like flapping. And maybe like while you're stricken, I'm just gonna have Ravi make a quick check. Noise, she scrambles out from underneath you and like starts to like break, like using this as a distraction to like loosen your grip and head toward old mama lightning. Jaron then is going to like roll out of the way of the statue as it's falling. While I grappled and like tackled Ravi, can I say that out of my bag, some of the things from my bag like fell out? Sure. Including the black vial. Okay. Of the empty monster from the Unmei fight from episode one of the Hounds. Okay. And I think after rolling away from the statue, seeing Ravi running away, Jaron doesn't know what else to do and they they i think like a bunch of different thoughts like flash into their head at once they were able to imitate adam's voice and adam can control the empty monsters for some reason and so just a shot in the dark they're gonna try and mimic adam's voice to try and control and they say stop her trying to command the monster inside the vial okay make a performance check 13. As the statue smashes into like half a dozen pieces, like against the marble floor, chunks of stone flying everywhere, like bits of like emerald dust, like pluming through the air, the vial explodes. Tendrils of oil slick black pseudopods web forward, 
like a sludge, like across the ground, and like it propagates, it gets bigger, like like the ribbons like wider and wider and wider, much larger than this small vial would suggest, and it just sloughs onto Ravi's back. Right as Ravi like gets onto the stage. Only 15 feet away from Old Mama Lightning's crystal, Ravi is tackled to the ground by this massive moving shadow that's like stuck her onto the ground and it's just like covering her like a blanket and she hits, like she hits the wood. Ugh, what the? Ugh. I think like a shadow spear like punches out of her, like the top of her fist and she's like punching at it, you know, but like it, like the more she punches, the more she struggles, like quicksand, it's sort of like clinging onto her limbs. She's like, oh, what the? Jaron, Jaron. And Jaron doesn't respond. You just, like, stand in the shadows? Like, you don't even go towards Sitlali? Jaron has, like, scrambled up, is, like, watching this happen, and just, like, walking backwards towards Sitlali. What the? How you? Jaron, this is not... This is not the way! Come back here! Get this thing off me! No response. They're just gonna turn and go for Sitlali. Jaron! Ravi's like shouting as you turn and book it uh, toward Sitlali, the crumbled statue hidden in the ruins of the shadows behind you. Okay, so with that, next up on the docket is gonna be Sitlali. So we're back. Yes. <laughs> yes, you're you're back in the now, you're inside an orb of black glass. Cool. Can I feel the weave? Through like a filter, Saraksha's protection is forming like a kind of a thickish barrier between you and being able to access the weave. But it's there, you can feel it. The sudden shift from nothing to everything is a lot. And then I think they are just kind of hit with like the realization of the everything that has just happened in the last who knows how fucking long. Because time is weird, so they don't know what day it is. But they saw Oka. And they can fucking see Adam. Yes. So I think Sitlali just kind of like tightens their grip around the raven feather in her hand. And just in the most scathing way that raven speech can get, says, Wilt. And casts harm. So he has to make a constitution saving throw. (sighs) Okay, he just misses it. So why don't you deal damage? Okay, that's 14d6 necrotic. Um, <laughs> so give me a second. For, 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 14? 14? 14? Regrettably, it cannot reduce his HP below 1, but since he failed the save, his HP max is reduced for an hour by the amount of damage he's about to take. For an hour, got it. Why don't you roll? That's 60 total. Okay, what does it look like? I think it almost looks like dark purple lightning. Like the most aggressive casting Sitlali has ever done in their fucking life. The amount of like fucking disdain and rage that they feel towards this fucking man from 2017 Tumblr. Just so much hatred bolts out of them. Like, and just kind of like almost, I want to say like reverberates through like Saraksha. What does it look like on Adam? I think it looks like he gets bit a little bit on the mouth. 
Yeah. Okay, we see these like wilted kind of black bite marks just appear on his mouth and he lets out a and he staggers a little bit as his arms are like splayed wide, right? And like sweat, I think just trickles like like down his temple. He goes, what? And he turns and I think he sees you and he see that like inky black void gaze with like, I think veins of black are sort of like popping out on the sides of his eyes. You know what I mean? And like going down like his throat as he's doing something he's not quite done yet he looks at you and he like lowers a hand to his mouth and touches it and pulls it away and sees like this like kind of dark red blood that's appeared like on his mouth and you little insolent thing or you can call me sitlali because that's my fucking name (laughs) no matter none of this matters you'll see All of you will see the miracle of the chrysalis I am about to perform today. And he like straightens himself back up, even though you've dealt him an incredible amount of damage and he continues doing whatever he's doing in the middle of. Uh, So Sitlali, the raven feather in your grip had like burned kind of hot, you know, with like the casting of this magic and now it's like the edges have fluttered and settled back down in your hand. But man, did it feel good to do that. You hear Mercy's voice. Sitlali! And she's gonna pick herself up and start like going right toward you without like caring about anything else that's happening on this stage, any of this chaos. There's a lot happening. And I think that they just like put one hand against the glass. But they're still like, I think they're panting. I think that spell took a lot out of yes. her. So like. Yeah, Mercy starts booking it across the stage, but her eyes also land on Ravi, pinned underneath this like black sludge. She's visible now, and Mercy just lets out a what? Ravi! And like sort of stalls in the middle and seems torn, right? Like between Ravi, her oldest friend and her first lover, and you, Sitlali, her second. There's like a moment of hesitation there. And on that, we are gonna cut over to Oka. That one initiative, baby. Oka's still on the balcony, and this god power is thrumming through them as they are forcing this chisel through reality, tearing it open with their hands, prying it open, forcing themselves like in and through, only to see Sitlali get sucked out somewhere that feels so close and so far away. And there's this moment that they like just get consumed with rage because they were so close and they reach after them and then their wings come out of their back, tear out in these big, huge, red lightning bolts of wings like out of their back as Vinash just kind of like punches up into the front of their soul and Oka pulls themselves through uh, because they can see the tear that Sitlali just went through and they are going to use all of their energy, the most massive, It's inertia, baby. We're going through. And I can see Adam on the other fucking side with his back to me. And I'm gonna stab him in his fucking back. That's where we're going. We're going through. I'm not We're going through. Oh my God, have inspiration for that. What the fuck? Make me a constitution saving throw. 29. What? A 29? That might be the highest I've ever rolled in this campaign. I'm not sure though. I think I've rolled a 29 before, but a 29. Vinash rips through you, like through your shoulder blades, like lightning bolts, pure crimson wings, unfurling like a thundercloud. And you dive through that portal that you ripped open, dripping golden blood with your chisel. And you fly through the nothing plane. 
And Oka, the nothing plane, this is your first time in it, is completely empty. Just pure oblivion crushing in at you from every side. It's darker than black. This is space between space. This is thought before thought. This is the nothing, the empty before and after life and death itself. This is the lack uh, between reality. This is not even energy, it's absence. And as you cut through it like a little like glowing bolt of rage and fury and determination and godlike anger, you see opening in the empty around you crimson eyes as your presence, I think, is noted as you slice through it. And you see these like swiveling pupils of all different shapes and sizes, like squares and rectangles and like circles and slits and starbursts and like crescents and whatnot just all open and swivel around to like look through this space and latch onto you. And you feel like a knot heat begin to vibrate around you as you're, you're like plowing through like the nothing plane. Uh, but before the heat can latch onto the edges of your presence, you're out of there. You cut through that massive wide gap that Adam had ripped and all of us see Oka tumble through it back into the now. And okay, I think that was your most of your movement, let's say. Uh, what do you do? <laughs> I'll take that as my movement. There's this tear of nothing. And then all of a sudden, Oka comes out of it like a vengeful fucking angel. All of that inertia through the nothing plane that drove them through the empty. They're just going for Adam's back, like tackling him to the ground, like an animal pouncing on him, like the god of rage coming to fucking smite this man. Are you using Dream Hunter or are you just punching him? I don't think I could have drawn anything. I am going to use my bonus action to get a culling edge out though, because that is technically on my body. So Oka, right into his back. Make an attack roll. 26 to hit. That will not hit. So do you either want to miss or deal damage and he gets a reaction? Deal damage and he'll get a reaction. All right, deal damage. Yikes. Okay. Wow, I didn't actually think I'd get this far. Here we go. 32 points of damage as Oka just like punts into his back with all, all the power that they have and all the rage that they're holding in their body. You descend from the rift, like a, like you said, like a fucking avenging angel and you fought, like he doesn't even like turn around. Uh, you're just on him and culling edge goes right through his back. You punch through him and we all see from the front <gasps> and we see like the spike of like Oka's like culling edge just cut through his sternum and just appear in like a burst of like dark red blood. <sighs> and he like sort of staggers forward. Are you also trying to pummel him to the ground? I am, yeah. Okay, make a grapple check. That's gonna be athletics against either his athletics or dex. 18. You grapple him to the ground. He goes down and you're on top of him, right? Like with your culling edge punch through, punch through his chest. He lets out a... <laughs> it appears all of your friends are here. Hmm? And he's still addressing Sitlali. They grab the back of his head and like force him to look at the ground. Don't fucking talk to them. <laughs> You're too late, Paragon of Sen. The miracle has already begun, and once it's begun, it cannot end. Is this all you've got? And his hand sort of goes toward the culling edge punched through his chest, and he pushes it back through, right? And I need you to make a strength contest. 
13 isn't going to do much for I me. I got I a think. natural 20. <laughs> so Adam is going to grab on. Like, it, like <laughs> your blade cuts into his palm and makes him bleed. But he's just laughing as he does, as his own blood drips down his forearm. And he shoves Culling Edge back through his sternum. And you feel like your hand's quivering as you're trying to keep it there. right? But he pushes like with a single hand, just like pushes it back through his chest. <laughs> the chrysalis shines down on me. Oka, it's going to take a lot more than just a tiny little dagger to end this. I think Oka got drawn toward him as he pulled their blade into his body again. Good. Then I'm going to fucking enjoy this. And they're going to lean their head back and try to fucking headbutt him since they're right there. Yeah, I think I think you do like you headbutt him and he just <laughs> like it's like your head's like bouncing off concrete. You know, you're not going to take damage, but it's like you're grappling with him. Maybe you're punching him, you're shoving him, you're headbutting him. You're trying to get him down, but he's like slowly but surely rising up off of the ground like a fucking like marble statue that just no matter what you do, you can't get him to get back down. Right. And he, you're like, oh, you're like on him from behind. Like he's like, I think blood is trickling out of his mouth from being punched through the chest by you, you know, but he's like slowly straightening himself back up. Um, is that the end of your turn? That is the end of my turn, yep. Okay, so at the end of this round, all of you feel the weave shiver, originating from the void scar torn into reality above Adam's head. The weave trembles, almost like it's scared. And Oka... You hear Vinash's voice spark up inside you and red sparks of lightning just like ricochet off of your skin and hear a voice go, it's coming, it's coming. We have to hurry, we have to hurry now. Siraksha, Thirsty, my Baragon. Sitlali, you hear Siraksha's voice from within the orb that you're in, like ringing through the crystal. Child. I'm afraid the end is near. I will do what I can to protect you. But if I must, I will return to my paragon. No! Something! You... uh, I can't... uh, Thristi and Sraksha are so scared inside me, but you... Damn it! Why do I have to be noble right at the end? No! I'm keeping Sraksha on you. This is... uh, This is wrong. This... uh, and you can feel like Old Mama Lightning is like similar to Oka, can feel whatever's about to come like intimately in her soul and is like piercing through her and causing her pain. My name is Sitlali Thornheart, and this is not the day that you die. <laughs> so there really still are heroes in this world, huh? Fine. And just rhyming down around you, descending, this like crystal just unfurls, right? And it disappears, like it sinks past your feet and you're no longer covered in this like miasma of Saraksha. You can see everything clearly now, right? And the crystal around Old Mama Lightning gets gets a little bit bigger, like more spikes come out as as Old Mama Lightning can like route all of Saraksha's power into protecting herself. And the rift above Adam's head gets bigger just widens and bleeds more empty presence into the now. That's going to be the end of the round. At the top of the round, we go back to Gentle. Okay. A lot's happening. Um, 
Do I see Oka fighting Adam? Everyone sees everything, I think, including okay. Ravi. Where's Jaron at? Jaron is headed towards Sitlali. Oka just saved my life like last like last time we were fighting. I gotta gotta look out for my bestie. I'm running towards Oka. And I'm just gonna try to punch the shit out of Adam like seven times. Okay, make your attack rolls. Let's see, that's four attack rolls. Hand of Harm is gonna be going off, of course. Is there any way I can assist? Because whilst Adam is kind of getting up, if Gentle, if Oka sees Gentle coming at Adam, they're gonna try to hold Adam in place so Gentle could beat the fuck out of him. Yeah, sure. Why don't you have advantage on these attack rolls? Okay. 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 I guess Adam is like effectively grappled. So. Okay. Metal dice are hard to keep in your hand. It's terrifying that you're actually so willing to just let that happen. Horrifying. It's kind of of horrid. Okay, so 17, 18, 28, nat 20. The nat 20 hits, the rest do not. I have a question about the 28. Yeah. I'm going to say three key points. I can up that attack by six. So that goes to be a 34. That would hit. Good. 34 would hit. Okay, yeah, so... (laughs) Two are guaranteed to hit. Uh, do you also want to deal damage on the other two, or do you want to take the misses? I'm just going to let those miss. Two hits is fine. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Uh, so let's deal with the non-natural 20 first. So roll damage as usual. 22 for the first hit. Okay. And for the second hit, the natural 20, do you want to get like full damage guaranteed and roll dice again, or do you want to pick like a narrative boon of some sort? Narrative boon, obviously. All right, what are you trying to do? I imagine Gentle, for some reason, just like jumping, like, running in and full force full speed both legs just jaw drop kicking like with full force to help just knock adam down yep it happens so why don't you just roll double damage as usual on the on the nat 20 do i roll the hand of harm twice as well yeah why not yeah do it uh, i don't like how free you're just like ah, oh, have all the damage nothing suspicious here his max hp is reduced by 60 and you're unbothered and i don't like that I'm, I'm tracking the reduction, yeah. I, That's worse. You get how that's worse for us, right? 43. You drop kick that motherfucker and he boom, he crumples, he goes down, right? Like a sack of bricks. He just uh, hits the ground again and he's like back on to like all fours, right? <clears throat> and I think like you break his nose, right? You like feel a like, crunch underneath your knee or your foot. When he looks back up, it's kind of crooked on his face. You know, there's like blood sort of like smearing his mouth and like staining his teeth just crimson. And he smiles up at you, Gentle, as you're like standing over there, like maybe panting a little bit from like all this, this flurry of blows. And he says, <laughs> really? Heroes of Andake, allies of the Paragons, this is all you've got? No. Do you do something else? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I love that, Gentle. I have inspiration for that response. That was adorable. Okay. Despite his words, though, Adam looks pretty fucked up. He's got that bite mark on his mouth. His face is broken. He's got, like, a huge crimson wound just flowering open on his, like, white dress shirt. And on that, I think we are going to pan over to Jaron. At the top of your turn, you notice Ravi. She has finally, like, cut away a, like, significant piece of this, like, empty beast, this, like, creature that's, like, sloughed on top of her. And she's booking it toward old Mama Lightning. What do you do? As they're running towards Sitlali, they're constantly, like, turning their head to, like, check on Ravi. And 
At the point at which they see her kind of like break free, they have this moment of hesitation because they can see Sitlali, they are right in front of him and he could just grab them and go. But I think he decides that his friends have this. He needs to stop Ravi. And so he like skids to a halt, turns. They're going to once again, in Adam's voice, command the monster, restrain her. Don't let her get closer to old Mama Lightning. Are you trying to hide the fact that you're doing this to your friends or are you just doing it? I think Jaron is so panicked in this moment that no, they're not trying to hide it. All of you hear Adam's voice echo out, but Oka and Gentle, Adam, his mouth isn't moving. He's still laughing. Blood's dribbling down his throat as you hear this command ring out. The slime monster picks itself back up and <laughs> begins like sloughing its way over to Ravi and like wraps like a shadowy tendril around Ravi's calf, roots her to the spot. She goes, uh, uh, she's like grabbing like at her foot and the rest of it begins like sloughing up her body as well. And there's like a moment for like each of you to chime in and say something as this is occurring, I think, as Adam's just laughing and laughing in your grip, Oka and Gentle. I think Oka, when they heard that command, they had like lifted Adam's head to like tell him to shut up again, right? And like, you know, like attack him more. They realized that he didn't say it. So they like whip around like, is this just a thing made of goo because he doesn't seem to die, right? Like that's happened before. And they turn around to like find, I think there are like some moments where their like eyes are like tracking Jaron, but they're, they don't understand. They just kind of like go still for a moment. Jaron, why are you doing that voice? Jaron's head like blips to gentle as he hears them say that. And you can see this like absolute look of like terror on their face as they realize that you heard what he said. Their eyes go to Oka and you can see them like make a decision. It's very clear on their face that they like make a decision in that moment. They look back at you, gentle. They shake their head. And then they run to basically block Ravi's path so that if Ravi tries to break free again, Jaron is going to be in between Ravi and Old Mama Lightning and he is unsheathing Kane's dagger. Ravi, please stop fighting. I don't know what lies they fed you. I don't know what kind of manipulation is wrapping around. You are out of your right mind, kid. You're on no, the wrong side. I am on your side. I just wish you would see that you care about Oka, right? So do oh. I. I'm doing this for them. Obviously. Oh. Oh. And I think like uh, some of this like black pudding like material like lassos upward and like grabs onto Ravi's wrist as she like pulls it up to like punch Jaron oh, and like pulls her back. Oka, sh I think they just like shove up and off Adam, right? Like they just kind of like drop him. Right, and they like are starting to like shift upward now. Jaron, what are you doing? Get old mama lightning. We need to go. Jaron like looks over at Oka. No. No, we need to get Sitlali and go. Grab them and go. We have Sitlali and Oka like turns, checks, sees Sitlali, and there's this like intensity to their expression, I think, when they look at you. What are you doing? Oka, I'm protecting you. Like I said that I would. Please take Sitlali and leave. I'm not what leaving without her. Get out of here, Sitlali, please. As your second, I'm telling you to stand the fuck down. 
fuck being my second. Get out of here. Now. Interrupting all of this, Ravi lets out another, ah! This creature seems to be voracious. It's now like glomming onto her and you see like the form of this creature begins to like sort of turn spiky. Like you see like these like black spikes beginning to like rhyme off of Ravi's body as she's covered in this thing. Jerron, call this thing off. Are you in control of it? Call it off. Jerron. And Oka starts going for Ravi, I think. Jerron is going to get in the way. Jerron is stopping Oka from getting to Ravi. Make a contested acrobatics check. I rolled a nat one. Oh my god, I did not think I would win that. I did not think I, I would win that. I got a plus 14 to my acrobatics, and I rolled a nat one. I rolled a 24. Oka, how do you slip past Jerron to get to Ravi? I fly over his fucking head. That that is one of the many ways that when they're sparring, when Oka wants to win, that's how they win. I think they actually like bump against Jaron though. Like they're not expecting them to be there. And then they like shove past and like launch themselves like up and over, almost like going like over a wall, like cool anime characters do. And they're like brandishing Dream Hunter like at this monster now, I think. Yeah, I think while this is happening, Mercy's also booking it to Ravi. She's just sort of shouting like, uh, listen to your second, uh, Jaron, stand down. That's Ravi we're talking about. And she's like booking it alongside Oka, and when you skate over Jaron and you land in front of Ravi, you see this thing is going wild. It's like spiking out with these black, like sharp black spikes, and you see one punch up near Ravi's face and open up a blood red wound. Oka, this thing, the more I cut it off, the more it grows. Get this thing off me. And I think in that moment, seeing that Oka has made it past him, seeing Mercy coming for Ravi, I think Jaron panics. And he slips into Adam's voice without meaning to. He meant to speak to Mercy and to Oka, but accidentally goes into Adam's voice and says, Stop! She has to die. I'm gonna give you inspiration for that. Because what happens next is Ravi's eyes widen as she hears that and she realizes what's happened the spiky mass around her just sort of contracts a little bit, like just pulsates almost like gently. And she just goes, uh, and just like blood just like spills out from her mouth. It's shot spikes through every part of her body inside, like just impaled her right from all sides. Okay. And you see the light fade from Ravi's eyes as she Ravi? goes Ravi? Ravi? No, no, I meant, I meant the paragon. I meant old mama lightning. No. And then in Adam's voice, bring her back. Bring her back. Bring her back. This thing just sort of sloughs off of Ravi's form in response to your voice. And Oka, you just see like Ravi's body riddled in just like puncture wounds all over, covered in her own blood. And she just sort of like falls to her knees. At the same moment, these like red lightning wings turn to glass and fall to the ground. Uh, and there's this like noise, like bells, as all of them just kind of like sh- like shatter against the ground as Oka just loses all of their concentration. And they catch Ravi, 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 
Ravi. Uh, and there's like their blood starts flowing. Like they are putting their hand on all of the wounds, trying to close them up, trying to close them up, trying to close them up. Rev, 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 Rev. This is not her. It's just she's. Uh, and Oka looks around, realizes Rev's not there, and they take the chisel. Ravi, you're gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay, right? Right, you're fine, right? She's fine, right? Uh, and Oka looks at Javon. She's fine. You didn't mean that. You're fine, Ravi. You're fine. You're a blood hunter. It's fine. Ravi. Mercy shoves, like, just shoves Jaron roughly out of the way and, like, runs over to where you are. And she also, like, falls to her knees in front of Old Mama Lightning's, like, crystal, right? Behind Adam, just, like, Ravi's blood just pooling out and spilling out from around her. Um, Ravi's eyes are still sort of open and they're sort of just gazing emptily upward and outward, like, lifelessly. And Mercy's just like, no, 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 no. And, like, her hands, like, go over, like, Ravi's, like, blood-covered body. <sighs> Oka. Oka, her soul. Oka. And Oka sinks the uh, sinks the chisel into her chest. Like they had it and they were ready and they just shove it in. Make an arcana check for me. With spare the dying, help drag the soul back down while Oka does this. Yeah. Do you like rush over? Like what's the range on that? For grave clerics, it's 60 feet. So I just kind of watch this. Don't even register Jaron, where that's a problem for later. And just kind of put a hand out and sit in the raven speech, just say stop and try to grab whatever I can feel. Yeah, you like fling out a hand and like the weave seems to like warp around you in like a straight line toward where Ravi's body is. And for like a half second, you, th you think you see her soul glimmer into existence. Just only you can see like this like rolling red energy that is starting to dissipate into nothingness because there's nowhere for it to go. But you're able to just uh, like hold it there for a split second, enough time for Oka to plunge the chisel into Ravi's body and like the soul gets like sucked back down toward the length of the chisel and wraps itself around the golden metal. And all of you see like this like crimson light like, like glittering around the length of this chisel as Ravi's soul has been successfully captured and like held here by the chisel. Did you do it? Is that, is that her is, is, is is that Ravi? Is 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 that her her soul? Fuck. Fuck. And Oka holds the chisel in both of their hands, like it's a prayer or like it's a god, and they kind of just like fold their fingers in and hold it against their chest. I think there's like a pause as all of you just taken. What the fuck just happened? Amidst this chaos, Adam who has been left to his own devices, straightens up completely. He stands, he pulls himself to his full height, right? And he sort of like cracks his neck in either direction, sort of like wipes some of the blood off his chin and says, the miracle is here. And all of you feel the weave around the void just snap and break similar to how it felt during the cataclysm when you felt the strings of the weave just snap. Coming out of the rip above all of your heads, you see, at first you think they're like white 
fingers, and then you realize what they are. They're the fluttering tips of white feathers as the chrysalis drags itself slowly into the now. Podcast editing for this episode is by C. Thomas of Okahian fame. Toss them a follow on Twitter at PieSharpArt. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and ExplainTrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out ExplainTrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Azura, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Scrofusis, and Target. <laughs>